Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Andy with the pointed elf hat yesterday and Doug today. And if you saw them on Pittsburgh Today Live, you know what I'm talking about. But you brought me a lot of Yuletide cheer today. And all I can say is... It's nice. Happy holidays, Mr. Oster. Oh, good morning. I didn't know that Andy wore his outfit yesterday. Yeah. That's awesome. It was, yeah. pre- it was pretty yeah, cool. I wore my, uh, this is Doug Oster from Everybody Gardens in the Tribune Review. Welcome to the Organic Gardeners. Jess is uh, enjoying the sun with her family. <laughs> Lucky thing. I'll be honest with you, though. This is one time of year, I and I love the beach, and good for her, but I would much rather be right here in western Pennsylvania. With me. Absolutely. Wearing my Christmas outfit. Absolutely. So if you didn't see the Christmas outfit on Pittsburgh Today Live, Rob just po- posted a video on his p- Facebook page. You can see. Uh, it is kind of a cross between Santa Claus and Elton yeah, that's John. Yeah, that's what one of my friends said. If Santa, Santa Claus and Elton John had a baby, this is what he, it would look like. So <laughs> I've got my wife's tights on. When, well, Jessica always I was just, gonna, just rolls pretty. her eyes when I wear these tights. They look pretty good on you, though. I oh, thought they, they, oh, they thank do. You. They know they do. They do. <laughs> thank you very much. I, they, they're kind of form-fitting. I have a... Uh, yes, they are. I have a... I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. It's okay. And then I'm wearing a, a sweater that was made to be a nice Christmas sweater, not an ugly one. I like that sweater. But it, it is... Uh, it's a woman's, woman's sweater. But that's and, a Seven Fishes, like, tradition. Oh, yeah. You oh, wear yeah. that every year. Oh, yeah. I, I love it. I just absolutely love it. I added the glasses and uh, the antlers and... Went with a green shirt and socks, kind of bright green. I think that's festive. You know, by the way, in my will, if I ever would get hit by a truck, which I did get hit by a truck once. That's another story 30 years ago. But you and Mangino are to take over the seven fishes because you guys get it. You understand it. It's all about family. And this is a holiday that you well, love. Well, this is what my wife will be working so hard on today uh, is getting ready for the Feast of Seven Fishes. And we... It has become such a big part of our life. Uh, we learned about it from from you and and I think Seebeck too. Had, or, oh yeah, well Rick Seebeck, come but, on, and and also Fedemore too. Your annual uh, radio show uh, is has made a big impact on us, and so the Feast of Seven Fishes has become this huge thing for our family. You know, the people are coming in from other cities. Uh, my son's friends are coming. My friends, they're family are coming it it's just i can't believe everything that my wife does i ask well what sh- what can i do to help stay out of the way so what, okay. what all is she prepared Doug? oh my gosh i never know until she she writes it up she has a a beautiful uh chalkboard that she puts the like a menu board yep puts the menu on and that menu actually has been in in the the last year's menu has been here all year just sitting there so <laughs> we can be reminded of it I, I think my my youngest son this is the this is the biggest day of the year for him really yeah yeah this is <laughs> this is a big deal because you know as you know my wife loves to cook and she can cook she too. is a great cook and uh, all the different seafoods are you know it's going to be amazing we i just i just can't wait we've been talking about it i've been talking about it with my friends for weeks now uh, what's what's happening? So let me get real quick to to talk about the show today. What's going to go on? First off, do you have a best gift you ever got for your garden? I've got a couple actually. In the '80s, when I started gardening, my wife got me this really nice uh, wheelbarrow, 
and and I used it relentlessly until it wore out. And I actually still have the metal part of the uh, wheelbarrow in my little area called the ruins. Just uh, I, I'm nostalgic about that. And then I uh, for Father's Day actually once I got this really nice bench that she got me that has planters on each side. So. Give us a call. What is your best gift you ever got? It doesn't have to be a Christmas gift. And we have two amazing guests today. Randy Sorgo is going to be uh, talking to us today. That's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to pick his brain. I, I was out at uh, Sorgo's a couple days ago in my outfit. I like to I, I when I do that TV show PTL, and I wear the outfit. I wear it all day long. Whatever appointments I have, I had uh, PT on my shoulder. I had to get my oil changed. <laughs> when I went to get my oil changed, the guy said. Hey, somebody on Facebook sent me a picture of you wearing that outfit. <laughs> so we'll talk to Randy, and then our friend Steve Rapaski is going to... Uh, by the jo- way, your dipstick's a few quarts low, by the way. <laughs> join, <laughs> us, join us a little later in the show, talk a little bit about the bees, and then one last thing to talk about, uh, Italy. Yes. I've got just a few seats left. This Perfect timing. Last-minute Christmas gift. Yeah. Hey, we're going to Italy. I'm taking people in mid-April to see the gardens and other sites of Italy. We're going to start in Rome, work our way down to the Amalfi Coast. We will see the gardens of the Vatican, Rome, and much more. Then we go down south, Pompeii, Isle of Capri. Again, tons and tons of stuff. One of the most wonderful things about traveling with this company, I've been doing it now for five, six years all around the world, is we get a local guide that joins us from beginning to end that knows every place to go, uh, where to eat, where not to eat, the whole thing. You can see all the information on my Facebook page. I just posted something. Or at DougOster.com or EverybodyGardens.com or just give me a call and I'll give you the details. If you don't have the internet, it's 412-965-3278. That's 412-965-3278. I am definitely looking forward to talking to Randy in just a little bit. And boy, did Randy come through. Yeah, for Christmas. If you're the 20, no, I'm the 10th caller. I'm not going to make it that <laughs> You're not going to make them suffer? No. 10th caller. If you're the 10th caller, I was actually thinking 25 is in $25 gift certificate. But today, and today only, $100. Thank you, Randy. And it is Ben Franklin, right? Is that who's on that thing? Yeah. Okay, good. Uh, when was he president? Do you remember? I don't know. Go fly a kite. <laughs> uh, all right, listen. Uh, it's uh, 10th caller, $100 from the great folks at Sorgles. And that number is 412-922-1020. 412-922-1020. If you'd like to talk to Doug, 866-391-1020. Dollar Bank Instant Access, kdkradio.com. Text us on the right out of the middle line. Best deal in town. Let me ask you this. Top five favorite Christmas songs. What are they? And they, they kind of rotate for me, but I've been asking very. Oh, people. I know what the Rolling... I know the Ro- a Rolling Stones Christmas song. We talked yeah, about we, this in the video yeah. beforehand. Run Run Rudolph by Keith Richards. Yes, the, the old Chuck Berry standard. Yep, yep. Uh, other, you know, got to have White Christmas. Yeah. Uh, I forgot see. about the Stones doing that. Uh, it was actually not the Stones, it was Just Keith. Him. Okay. But yeah. Uh, White Christmas. Gosh, I don't know. Uh, I like kind of the, the oh, uh, uh, Santa Claus is Coming to Town, Bruce Springsteen version. Yes. Uh, the Eagles, three. Please Come Home for Christmas. That's a good time. That's pretty good. You know, I, I last night somebody played the Paul McCartney one. The Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, L- wonderful Christmas time. 
Dun, dun, or dun, having dun, dun, a wonderful, yeah, yeah, yeah. great song that gets me close. I, I probably since you had me on a spot there, I think I probably have some other like more traditional ones that I can think of. David Bowie, Bing Crosby, that's pretty good. That's amazing. That's amazing. There's a, some good stories behind that too uh, about how they made that happen. How that, did that, that work that, that perfectly? Was, yeah, that was really, and especially in the day. Like nowadays, you could see like, oh, we're going to get a big buzz. We'll put Bing Crosby and David Bowie together. But back then, that was unheard of. Guess who I give more thumbs up to in that not that Bing Crosby wasn't a multi-talented could sing could dance could act could do it all top box office star great guy but David Bowie to step in not even from this country with this iconic crooner that even Sinatra idolized and I'm sure they did it in a couple of takes but to be able to make it fit like that I mean that was an incredible performance yeah yeah pretty cool it was Hmm. Like to see that every year when they put it up you know you see it here and there and- I missed and I'm I, I miss David Bowie you know, this, the, not that I was ever going to meet him, but I it, actually got to see him here in Pittsburgh at at, at the Benedum. Um, that great was that was an amazing performance. I'm glad I got I'm glad I got to see that uh, because you know, just like Tom Petty, and you just never know. Anyway, in closing, you know, people always say if I could do something in my life bucket list, one of my bucket list things that I would have loved to have done: Andy Warhol, David Bowie, all these guys go to studio 54 one night (laughs) just hang out you know what i'm saying we're gonna take a very short break we'll come back randy sorgle and congratulations to lois of cannonsburg and thank you to the sorgles one hundred dollars will be on its way to her house for the holiday season courtesy of sorgles in wexford well our first guest of the morning is randy sorgle from sorgles and i've known randy for a long time Justin and i were actually just talking about uh sorgles uh last week about these videos that they make on their facebook page and it, i think it's because of randy giving those young people that work there uh latitude to be creative and fun and check out the sorgles facebook pages because these videos are great randy as you you know we've talked about randy all the time he is the uh Nicest person you'll ever meet, and I'm not going to get into all the details because he, he wouldn't want me to, but what he does for our community is just amazing in so many ways. So, Randy, uh, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you, Doug. Thank you very much. So I want to talk, talk, start off talking about uh, how Sorgos got started uh, way back when, right? Okay. Um, well, the farm was settled probably in the 1800s. Okay, about 1850 is when the property was settled. But really the start of the farm was back in around 1960. And this is probably something, Doug, that uh, will always stick with me, is the fact that my parents um, were so – they sat us down in a room and said, hey, you know, in 1960 or or 1965, I guess it was, do you want to continue with the farm or, you know, because we're not going to do it by ourselves. Or we'll put all our money back into the farm if you're going to do that. If not, then we'll take other routes. So they trusted us, and we never were told, hey, do it this way, do it that way. They kind of taught us to go ahead and do our own thing, and that was probably the encouragement that uh, kept the place going for till now because we taught that let people do what they can do. Well, I, So that was kind of a neat thing. When you say that, then I, the first thing I think about is your daughter Amy – of starting another part of the business, uh, which talk about about what Amy does and how how it came about that Amy was going to start something new at the farm there. Well, Amy Amy has celiac disease, and so she uh, has a gluten intolerance. And uh, 
we were actually going to Ohio University to see my son's Camerons, whether he went to go there to school, and Amy was getting ready to graduate from um, Johns Hopkins and uh, or, and then had a degree from Pitt, really, in uh, um, uh, so she had this degree, and we were like, what do you want to do? And she said, uh, I said, do you want to just kind of start a store or something with uh, gluten-free or whatever? And she said, yeah, and my parents and everybody said, okay, we'll invest in it. And it was that simple, and then we turned one of the barns into, she has over 2,000 gluten-free items in that mm. store now. Wow. And people come from Cleveland and all over to uh, that have the um, issues with gluten and have celiacs, and uh, especially at the holidays here, people have friends that are coming for dinner, and they need something for them, too. So it's a great place for people to come to. I mean, did you always know that, that plants were for you and this was going to be your destiny? You know what? Uh, I, I'm lucky to say that it never questioned else, what else I wanted to do. And I'm lucky that way because so many young people now don't have a clue where they want to go. And I think trying to encourage them that horticulture is a possibility, and nobody ever thinks about that. You know, so trying to get people to come and, uh, you know, I always encourage uh, families if they know some young person who is like, you know, they don't know where, they're not sure they want to go to college, they're not sure what they want to do as a career, and kind of lost, to come talk to me. I'll be glad to sit down and say, have you ever thought of horticulture and doing something with horticulture? Because it can get into everything from, uh, my business is such a small part of horticulture, you very well know, but even the food supply and what we do, and even all the chemicals and everything that are out there, agreeing or not agree with, and someone's got to work and figure out the answers to these problems, and it can be these young people with these with these sharp minds to figure out how are we going to do it in the future. Yeah, actually, so it's exciting. I actually ran into uh, somebody I've known from your place for a long time, Noah, and uh, I just love to pick his brain uh, yeah. uh, about growing things. But was there any kind of specific thing that happened with you that, that got you interested in plants? Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> When I was 10 years old, my parents wanted to make sure I was kind of maybe musically, uh, had a little to do with music, uh, had me take organ lessons down in uh, Baden. And my grandfather took me down to the, I can't tell you I really wanted to do that, but it was still a great experience <laughs> trying to learn a little bit about music. But uh, my grandfather took me to a store down there, Grant's, so that dates me as far as that goes, but Grant's was down there and they had cactus that were for sale, and they had a little artificial flower in it, you know, and so I bought this cactus plant. It was like a pencil cactus, and it had a little artificial flower in it. And I, th I didn't know the flower was artificial. So I brought it home, and of course it's like cactus, like heat, and they like, uh, you know, I want so I put it underneath an incandescent bulb <laughs> about two inches away from it, and thinking this is going to plant's going to love it, and it's going to grow, and what happened the next day, the whole top of the plant was burnt from the heat and kind of <laughs> shriveled. And that little red flower dropped onto the table. And I remember the moment of saying, I want to see a real flower. This thing is fake. And that is what kind of something simple like that yeah. is, is what made me really say, these things do it for real. Why do they do it? And, you know, I even say to some of the young people, you know, there's a night-blooming cactus, you know, and why do they do that? Well, they do it because it's too hot through the daytime, and so the bugs are out for pollination in the nighttime when it's cool. So the whole system 
has a reason for everything. And kind of when you get into that, it's fascinating. You know, it's kind of uh, Keith, the young man that, is, that runs the greenhouses now, he, you know, he had no intention of going into horticulture or working for me. But the bug gets you, and it's, it's fascinating as to why it does it. And when it does, it becomes a great career. And talk about things that we can do to get kids interested just in plants and growing. You know, that's one of the fun things. You know, we know how, how wonderful it is to, to get your hands dirty, to work with plants. But, again, we're always looking at the next generation to try and, and show them how wonderful it is. Yeah, I think that, and, and, and Doug, maybe you ought to write an article or a, uh, a book on it, because we could do things that are like if, if a parent grabs a, um, and you have to get the, the child interested uh, but like getting in the fall here, getting some daffodil bulbs or something, and if you find some, you can still plant them. But they plant it now, and then in three months, they actually see the result, and that gets them excited. Uh, you know, probably amaryllis would be another thing that someone could get right now and give a kid an amaryllis bulb, and they'll see it do something, or paper whites, and that kid will actually see it do something in the next few months that, when they see it actually doing it, sometimes can get them encouraged to do that. Um, you know, as far as uh, even bird feeding, you know, as mm-hmm. far as that goes, give some kid a little bird feeder that they can see the birds come that becomes their own project. And that can, that, I'm getting excited here. <laughs> it's so exciting to do that kind of stuff. Bonsai, you know, that's another thing too, is bonsai, so many people feel that bonsai is the plant not the art of taking care of it and keeping it small. And when you, you can get a, a cheap um, juniper plant in the spring and cut it back and watch it re-sprout re, uh, re out. Well, Randy, I just really appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, I told him that he'd probably be doing it in his jammies, and he said, no, I'll be in the store. If I was in my jammies, I'd get arrested. <laughs> so thanks so much for coming on. Great to talk to you. Take care. All right, we'll see you, Randy. I'll tell you, a lot of passion there. You know? Oh, yeah, he loves what he does. And, boy, you see him with those young people. He's talking about Keith. There's a younger Randy there. It, it's it's just a great operation. Steve Rapaski talking bees. Going to share a little honey with you on this holiday edition of the Organic Gardener. Stay with us. Much more to come. KDKA Radio. Talk a lot about our incredible sponsors, Hans, and, of course, uh, Sorgles. I mean, uh, Penn Hills. I mean, there's so many of them. But Janoski's has been a big part of my life for well, close to 30 years. And I want to thank Mike, Patty, and everyone. Arrowhead Winery uh, has some wine that we're going to be sampling tomorrow. And if you're looking for a unique gift, please do uh, get out there and check out that winery. It's absolutely amazing. You know, I was out there uh, doing a video about poinsettias. That was my number one video this year as, as far as uh, numbers of people yet to look at it. And we had so much fun out there. I have new, a new videographer, you know, and so Patty gives her uh, a points poinsettia uh and amaryllis and she's just this the woman jessica she's just thrilled about it and uh then of course i just finally convinced patty please let me go over to the farm market and buy the produce myself and oh gosh stuff still from their their fields cabbage and uh, brussels sprouts on the stock that's the best way to get them uh, I got five pounds of potatoes. I got all sorts. Oh, it's just it's great. And I'm gonna be I'm gonna be going back out there. We have, I have a new project called Gardening with Friends. Oh, nice. It's gonna be a fun video, and I'm gonna go go there. And uh, their son Stephen is gonna show me how to start seeds. And that's the right person to have show you how to start seeds. I was when I was already there, they must have had 
I don't know how many thousands of onions already up and growing, you know. It's it's going to be. I'd fun. rather see them rebuild a tractor and take it to the Hookstown Fair. That's what I <laughs> a tractor pool. That's what I get into. Anyway, listen. Thanks for the wine, Patty, and of course, Mike. And we're going to be out there tomorrow with the feast of the seven fishes. But that winery is pretty awesome. All right, here we go. We'll take the tenth caller to win a twenty-five dollar gift certificate from Janoski's. It is four one two nine two two. 10:20. Time to talk to our second guest of the morning. Steve Rapaski is a bee expert extraordinaire. He's my bee mentor. He's my friend. Runs a company called Bee Control that uh, takes care of all the bad things that bees and wasps can 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 do. Steve, how are you this morning? Merry Christmas, gentlemen. Merry how are you? Christmas. We're doing great. So to start off, you know, talking about bees in general, are we still in a, in a bad place for for honeybees? You know, it, it depends on your definition of what a bad place is. And, and certainly I, w- I would say we're not in a bad place, but we're certainly not letting our guard down. We continue to lose roughly 40% of our honeybee population every winter or every year. And, of course, the number of beekeepers help bring that number back up. But it's just not a sustainable uh, you know, option. We can't keep losing bees year after year and trying to rebuild back up to our previous year's level. So, there's certainly a reason for concern, and even more concern, I would say, is our, our decline of native pollinators, right. you know, all the little bees that people aren't aware of, and um, that's where we should really be concerned of. The honeybees, you know, we've sort of domesticated them, if you will. We can handle those. It's the native populations that we certainly are, are more concerned about, and that's due to loss of pollination, use of pesticides, um, off-label, incorrectly, so on and so forth. Uh, otherwise, though, in general, bees are doing okay. Can we can, complain? You know, we talk a lot about pollinators on the show, and of course, Jessica being a bee or being a an insect expert. So, can we can we make a difference as gardeners? You know, uh, in our little plot. I mean, of course, we're all organic, and we try and grow things that that pollinators will 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 enjoy. Are those things going to make a difference? Absolutely, uh, and we often say that you know we have have people come to us and say, well, how can I save the bees? And, and the way to save the bees is not necessarily becoming a beekeeper, although we certainly encourage people to do that. Um, but, but what a lot of people can do just in their own backyard garden is plant uh, perennials that are, na- uh, that are pollinator-friendly. Uh, I've heard you guys talk about leaving your stems up over winter from the old perennials and the old grasses because those are spots where some of these insects will hibernate or they'll nest next spring. Um, so doing that type of thing, you talk about the best garden gift that anybody's ever gotten. If the folks are out there are stuck for a gift, get a native bee, bee house that you can find online. I know a number of places sell them in garden centers and online, but there's these little you know, 12-inch by 12-inch uh, square boxes with holes drilled in them that produce um, habitat for native bees in the spring. So, yes, absolutely. The backyard uh, gardener can have a greater impact than just somebody keeping a number of hives in, in a certain area. So since we're friends, I know that you running a business is taking up uh, a lot of time. Did you have much time to garden this summer? Uh, you know what I did? I planted my tomatoes, I planted my peppers, and I promptly ignored them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, it, it came out well. My peppers didn't do so well. I unfortunately did not get my garlic in. My tomatoes, I had a fabulous year for tomatoes and green beans. Uh, no zucchini this year, which uh, part of that I contribute to lack of pollinators. Because uh, even though I'm a beekeeper, I do not have the bees in my backyard this year. 
and um, I noticed it. I noticed the lack of pollination in my garden. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, business sometimes take you away from some of the fun things that you like to do, and unfortunately, those fun things tend to suffer. One of the plants that I remember seeing in your garden uh, was the borage, and those little yes. those little blue flowers. The bees were just going nuts on. Yes, borage is one of those plants. They're self seeding. They're they're easy to plant. Uh, and, and get to grow. I typically plant them along the edges or the fringes, so at least they're out of the way. And they produce all summer at a time when nectar flow uh, slows down for some of the other plants. That borage is up and blooming, and it's constantly blooming. Um, I like some of the, uh, oh, the agastache, uh, you know, that type of plant. Those are all great things that, that um, gardeners can plant. I have some Maximilian sunflowers that do really well. Uh, just a, a variety of, of plants that those bees can access year-round, so to speak, during the summer, I guess, uh, but not even just the honeybees. The, the, the diversity of native pollinators out there is if you just, you know, you hear the phrase, stop and smell the roses. Well, stop and watch the bees, and you'd be amazed at the number of types of uh, pollinating flies, pollinating bees that are out there. And it's just a, it's a neat time to spend in the garden. I've spent an hour in the garden where I should have been weeding, taking pictures of native bees that are on the flowers because it's just so fascinating to see them at work. Oh, that sounds familiar. I should have been weeding too, but I was taking pictures. It's pretty, <laughs> if somebody has a passion uh, for wanting to be a beekeeper, to actually keep the, the, the honeybee, what's the first step they should take uh, in, in learning the, the bee, the science of the bees? Yeah, so you, that is a good point, Doug. And as you've learned, there's a lot more to beekeeping than just putting bees in a box. Uh, you yeah. want to certainly learn the biology of the bees first. And by doing that, uh, it helps you become a better manager of the honeybees. Uh, taking a class is your first step. And if you're still looking for a last-minute gift for those folks, um, I'm actually teaching a beekeeping class up at Fern Hollow Nature Center in Sewickley on February 2nd. Um, so there's classes around that you could sign up for. You'll learn all the biology, the basics of, of beekeeping, the equipment, how to use it, where to get it, where to get your bees, and uh, try to help you get through that first year. And, and taking a class is important. It's not simply putting a daffodil bulb in the ground and voila, it blooms. Uh, bees, they're an animal. They take management. It's animal husbandry. Uh, it's not hard, but it's certainly not something that you could just... Uh, start off by going to the store and pick up equipment and go to it. You need to take a class and learn from the experts. You know, before I let you go, I just got a couple minutes left. Tell me a little bit about what you get out of working with those bees. You know, I, I was listening to Randy on the phone, on the radio there before I came on, and that passion, that excitement that you get of working that, whatever that may be. In his case, the horticulture. In my case, the you know, just the bees are fascinating. You know, just the I could spend four hours on the radio telling you all the different things that they do in the hive and out the hive, bringing in pollen and propolis and watching them feed each other and raising queens. It's just that, you know, I have a degree in wildlife science from Penn State, and so I've always had that interest in, in how things work and how they develop. And uh, my mom was a kindergarten teacher for numbers of years, and every year she would raise chicks in an incubator so those kids could watch that development and watch them hatch and take them home and all that good stuff. So. I think that's just that fascination of how nature works. Um, and bees are very fascinating. They're smart, smart insects. 
Uh, and it just it captivates you, and I think that's what made you fall in love with them too, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I was going to say that uh, I'd always wanted to be a beekeeper, and then I met Steve out. Uh, it was an old Chi-Chi's restaurant, and they were tearing it down, and the guy who was doing the work was a farmer part-time from Columbus, and he called Steve to say, hey, I've got a, a, a huge feral colony of bees in here. Can you just take them yep. and move them somewhere? And I went and... Uh, did a video of, of Steve doing that, and I was hooked. I was just hooked. Being so close to 60,000 bees without any danger, and from then, and then Steve taught me how to be a beekeeper, and like he says, you know, the native bees are important, our, our honeybees are important. Uh, it, it's When you have a vine crop growing in the garden and you've got bees there, you're going to get lots of zucchinis, uh, cucumbers, melons, whatever it might be. Yep. All right, Absolutely. Steve. Absolutely. Well, thanks so much for coming, for getting up early, being on the on the show. Continued success with the the bees, and uh, I'll see you a little later on today. Fun. All right. Why don't we uh, head to Italy one more time? Would you like to come? Yeah. You kidding me? Absolutely. <laughs> we never come back. You know, I've been traveling around the world, taking people to see gardens now five or six years uh, with a company called Colette. They're they're just top notch. Four star or better hotels. We have just so much fun. Um, if you've never been to Italy or if you want to go back to Italy, I've got a few seats left. Uh, we're probably taking about 35 people, which is a nice little group. We all get to know each other. Uh, we got lots of people come as singles, but we're all a little family that travels together. We're going to start in Rome. This is mid April. Start in Rome and work our way down to the Amalfi Coast and see everything in between. Uh, one of the, the big hits is, in, is going to be those Vatican Gardens in Rome, but other gardens uh, in Rome. And lots more when we get down south. We'll go to Pompeii. That, that's something I'm really looking forward to. I've never seen Pompeii. Isle of Capri and just so much more. And, we, you know, we take a local guide with us. The, comes with us the whole way. It's just amazing. If you're interested in going... Like I said, there's just a couple seats left. Uh, check it out. I just posted something on my Facebook t- page today or Everybody Gardens or DougOster.com or just give me a call, 412-965-3278. That's 412-965-3278. We'd love for you to join us. Uh, boy, I've got so many cool things growing uh, indoors now. The one thing that I've really had fun with is this thing called microgreens. There's a little little thing that fits on your window so it's called the microgreen grower you can see it at everybodygardens.com and it comes with everything you need you just it's just basically a little bit of soil you get it wet you you put these seeds on there and it could be radishes it could be basil it could be mixed greens anything and you just put a little plastic lid on it and they sprout and you eat them they're just like a carpet of greens and you just kind of snip them off with scissors once and and we've just been having so much fun. We I, I actually was eating the radishes last night. I just put them in a just the radish greens in a pita pocket and a little uh, salad dressing on it. And they're highly nutritious. Anybody could grow them. You know, we talked with Randy about what what you can do with kids. Sprouting microgreens uh, is is an, uh, a great thing to do. You don't need any kind of special seeds. Uh, you could just use your regular garden seeds and, you know, I'm going out right now and I'm looking for leftover seeds that I can sprout and eat. The next crop coming up for me on my windowsill is alfalfa. You remember alfalfa from Little Rascals, don't you? Spanky and gang. <laughs> I loved alfalfa, man. I love Spanky. Yeah. Spank, I saw Spanky, Spanky speak twice. Spanky McFarlane. Spanky, Spanky speak twice as an adult and it was fascinating. Uh, he started when he was like three years old. Uh, he said his late threes 
and uh, go back and look at some of that old stuff. Well, it'll make you Peter laugh. Who else was in that? Was a very young man, child. Yeah. Jackie, Rob- Jackie Cooper, Robert Blake, Robert Blake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my goodness! A lot of Chris. fun. I'll probably go home and there'll be a marathon. But you and I were talking real quick. Turner Classic Movies over the next seventy-two yeah. hours. Incredible movies, holiday movies. Uh, uh, one of my goals is to get young people to watch some black and white movies. Some yeah. people won't, but I, I've got a friend of my son who's who's become fascinated with them, and they just tell an interesting history of our country uh, by by looking at those movies and seeing uh, what people were thinking. You can have a lot of fun watching those movies, uh, and and. and seeing how they develop their characters and just some of them are so funny unbelievable you know there's nothing harder than making people laugh and my wife and i were watching a movie the other night from 1940 with dick paul and we were just dying we were just dying it was so well done a lot of fun you know what's amazing is we grew up with that generation removed from being young when these movies were released. So you'd be sitting there as I would be at my grandmother's, especially during the holidays, all jacked up on Maxwell House coffee. You know, she'd give me a big bowl of Maxwell House coffee and toast. And we watch these movies and say, do you what they mean there? See what they mean there? There were always these double entendres and innuendos that had to do with the times, you know, the war and what have right. you, political statements. So they were definitely well done. And what amazes me, how they came to life in black and white. Yeah. And I, I I feel we're so far removed from uh, World War II. You know, my uncle. Yeah. You know, and you know, you know, people that were in World War what? II. What a struggle that was. You know, a Five struggle, years. struggle, struggle for freedom. And now it's you know, gold when, star families. Yeah. When you get uh, so far away from it, uh, I wondered about that yesterday. I wondered about if people just look at a, as it's just in a history book. We have personal connections with people that were in World War II, that told stories about World War II. We were told their stories of, you know, winning a bronze star or, you know, being the Battle of the Bulge. Uh, And that, I I think, that we have that connection, but I'm not sure if the next generation will, if they'll know anything about the the sacrifices that generation made. The only good thing, and and you may not understand this, because I don't know if your kids still do this, because they're a little older, but, you know, some of my children really into video games, you know, and, and a lot of World War II history. And some of them, and my son Robbie's friends, actually know more about the war than probably I do. So there is some well, good to be Well, that's nice said. to hear. That's, yeah. that's great to hear because that was a worry of mine yesterday when I was thinking about, about the war, how it would be remembered. Speaking of remembering. You'll never be forgotten that outfit. <laughs> Take us home. Remember the organic gardeners always aim to create a better place to garden. And a safer place to live. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for twenty-five dollars per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. Five dollars more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at twenty-four monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. Thirty-five dollars per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.